Hello everyone and welcome to the August 29th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation news. The California Supreme Court clarified and applied the Prevet rule on a subrogation suit brought by an industrial insurance carrier. Here's what happened in the case of Seabride Insurance Company versus U.S. Airways. U.S. Airways uses a conveyor to move luggage at their San Francisco International Airport facility. The airport is the actual owner of the conveyor, but U.S. Airways uses it under a permit and has responsibility for its maintenance. U.S. Airways hired Lloyd W. Aubrey Company, an independent contractor, to maintain and repair this conveyor. The airline neither directed nor had its employees participate in Aubrey's maintenance work. The conveyor lacked certain safety guards required by OSHA regulations. An Aubrey employee was inspecting the conveyor and his arm got caught in its moving parts. Seabright Insurance Company, Aubrey's workers' compensation insurer, paid benefits and then filed a subrogation case against U.S. Airways. U.S. Airways sought summary judgment based on the Prevet rule, as announced in the 1993 case of Prevet v. Superior Court. In Prevet, it was held that the hirer of an independent contractor can be liable for a workplace injury of the contractor's employee if the hirer retained control over the contractor's work and exercised that control in a way that affirmatively contributed to the employee's workplace injury. The trial court granted summary judgment in favor of U.S. Airways and found no evidence that U.S. Airways affirmatively contributed to the accident. The Court of Appeal reversed and held that under Cal OSHA, Defendant U.S. Airways had a non-delegable duty to ensure that the conveyor had safety guards. The California Supreme Court ruled that the Court of Appeal was wrong. The Prevet Rule creates a presumption that a person who hires an independent contractor delegates to that contractor the responsibility to perform the specified work safely even when OSHA regulations are violated. And a hirer generally has no duty to act to protect the contractor's employee when the contractor fails in that task. Prevet noted that the cost of workers' compensation insurance for an independent contractor's employees is presumably included in the contract price the hirer pays to the contractor and therefore the hirer indirectly pays for that insurance. Accordingly, the Supreme Court held that Seabright Insurance Company and the injured worker cannot recover in tort from defendant U.S. Airways. A petition for rehearing has been filed by applicant's attorney in the Duncan Cola case. On August 11th, the California Supreme Court issued its decision reversing the finding of the Court of Appeal in the case that defines when the calculation for cost of living adjustment must start. The decision was extremely favorable to employers. The Supreme Court concluded that COLAs should be calculated and applied prospectively, commencing on the January 1st, following the date on which the injured worker first becomes entitled to receive and actually begins receiving such benefit payments. The case was initially known as the Duncan case, and it is now renamed Baker v. WCAB now that Christine Baker has replaced John Duncan as DWC Administrative Director. 
However, a decision of the Supreme Court does not become final until 30 days after it has been filed. The parties may petition for a rehearing during the first 15 days after the filing date. Arthur Johnson, the attorney for the injured worker, filed a petition for rehearing of the case within this time limit. The Supreme Court responded the next day by extending the time for granting or denying rehearing to and including November 9th. The reason typically argued in a petition for rehearing is that the court has decided the case in such a way that if the error of its ways were pointed out, it would certainly change its opinion. This rarely results in a rehearing. Nonetheless, there is a small degree of uncertainty over the outcome in this case for the next few months. The California Supreme Court denied the State Compensation Insurance Fund's petition for review in the Almarez case, ending the appellate process for the controversial pair of cases originating with the WCAB and Bank joint Almarez-Guzman decision. The state fund petition before the Supreme Court in Almaraz was filed following the denial of their petition before the 5th District Court of Appeal. The California Supreme Court declined to review the companion 6th District Court of Appeal Guzman decision last November. The denial of the petition is not necessarily based on the merits of the case. The Supreme Court docket entry simply reads, Petition for Review Denied, without any formal opinion having been authored by the court. Cases which are heard by appellate courts on extraordinary writs are the exception rather than the rule. The Almarez-Guzman cases are now final law and binding in California workers' compensation claim administration. The Almarez-Guzman case now allows claimants to rebut a rating based upon the AMA guides provided that the rebuttal theory remains within the four corners of the guides. The Pandora's box of creative rating is now open. And now our fraud report. Susanna Regos Chung, a Los Angeles area-based attorney, has been sentenced in Alameda Superior Court for insurance fraud. She was sentenced to five years formal probation and to pay nearly $118,000 in restitution to insurance companies for 15 separate fraudulent claims. In addition, she was ordered to pay about $235,000 to the state restitution fund. Chung agreed to place herself on inactive status with the California State Bar pending its mandatory investigation into her conduct, which may result in her disbarment. In 2003, the California Department of Insurance Urban Auto Fraud Task Force initiated an investigation known as Phantom Menace into organized automobile insurance fraud in the Bay Area. The task force included investigators from the California Highway Patrol and Alameda and San Francisco County District Attorney's offices. An undercover investigation was launched in 2004, which included numerous auto body shops, medical offices, and law offices. Task force members were able to infiltrate a sophisticated auto fraud organized crime ring operating in the Bay Area, which was working with law offices in Los Angeles. One of these law offices was owned and operated by Chung. Task force members acting in undercover capacities were solicited to participate in staged collisions. Numerous collisions were staged and undercover officers were referred to auto body repair shops, medical offices, and law offices in an effort to file false insurance claims. 
Chung allegedly participated in this fraud ring by submitting insurance claims for suspects who staged these collisions for profit. The majority of the people she represented never met her, and many did not even know they had an attorney. Nearly 100 people have been convicted in Alameda County over the last several years as part of this conspiracy, including more than 90 staged collision participants and three chiropractors. The San Bernardino County District Attorney's Office filed a criminal complaint alleging three felony counts of insurance fraud against Chino residents Joe Ramirez and his wife Norma Jean Ramirez. They are the owners and operators of Jacone Construction Company. District Attorney investigators, along with investigators from the State Compensation Insurance Fund and the EDD, were able to locate evidence of premium fraud and tax evasion. While at the Chino location seizing evidence under a search warrant, Joe Ramirez was taken into custody on an outstanding felony warrant. Additional information led investigators to an apartment complex in Rancho Cucamonga where Norma Jean Ramirez was also taken into custody. Both Joe and Norma Jean Ramirez were booked into the West Valley Detention Center with bail set at $125,000. And in medical news, Johnson & Johnson can face billions of dollars in costs over an artificial hip recall. And they are taking an unusual approach to managing the crisis. Their subsidiary, Depuy Orthopedics, recalled its metal ASR hip system a year ago after it failed at a higher than expected rate. Some patients experienced pain, swelling, joint dislocation, and sometimes systemic damage to the central nervous system, thyroid, and heart. The company now faces more than 2,000 lawsuits in state and federal courts. Some 93,000 people have been implanted with the ASR hip system. In a highly unusual move, the company has hired a third party, Broadspire Services, a company that usually adjusts workers' compensation claims to administer patient claims for out-of-pocket medical costs associated with the recall. And this has prompted debate among industry and legal experts. Some see it as an efficient way to outsource a process that is unrelated to making artificial hips. Others see it as a way for Johnson & Johnson to limit payments while gaining control of medical records and other material that could be used against patients in court. In most recall cases, companies and their lawyers answer patient queries and pay claims for reimbursement and handle recalls directly. Typically, companies accept a treating physician's recommendation when it comes to determining if a device should be removed or replaced. But in this case, it is Broadspire's physicians, not the patient's own doctors, who in effect make the final decision on whether a patient's hip should be replaced. While Broadspire physicians cannot directly override a patient's doctor in terms of treatment, they make the decision on whether to reimburse the cost. That can effectively rule out surgery for patients who cannot pay on their own. To critics, Johnson's handling of its hip replacement recall is designed to save money. However, they are adamant in denying this criticism. And in regulatory news, California employers would pay as much as $210 million more for workers' compensation benefits for temporary disabilities if the California legislature passes a bill introduced by Orange County Assemblyman Jose Solorio. This cost estimate is based on an analysis from the State Senate Appropriations Committee. 
Currently, a California worker can receive payment for a temporary disability caused at work for 104 weeks within a five-year period. AB 947 would allow temporary disability benefits for up to 240 weeks. The Workers' Compensation Action Network, a coalition of businesses and government groups, has come out against AB 947. And in financial news, workers' compensation premiums in California, which have been creeping up the last four years, are expected to stabilize in 2012. And the latest filing by the Workers' Compensation Insurance Rating Bureau of California actually called for a 1.8% cut in premiums. But WCIRB spokesman Jack Hannon said the new filing is complicated by a revision in how rates are calculated. The Bureau thinks current rates are pretty close to what insurers should charge in 2012. Until this week, the WCIRB routinely sought big increases in premiums, touching off a kind of shadow dance with regulators. The insurance commissioner would almost always reject the Bureau's filings and the insurance companies themselves, whose rates aren't subject to regulation anyway, would do as they pleased. Premiums have risen about 10% the last four years, according to the Bureau's statistics. Still, they're about 60% less than their peak in 2003, when complaints about sky-high premiums generated a massive political debate over California's business climate. The California Workers' Compensation Institute issued the fourth institute study to measure temporary disability outcomes following the enactment of SB 899. The first study, published in 2008, and two subsequent studies showed that reforms resulted in lower average TD payments, fewer paid TD days, and fewer claims involving injuries that are exempt from the two-year cap on TD payments. This new fourth report was based on a sample of over 315,000 claims. The year-to-year -year comparisons show that by 2006, average TD payments began to climb. Since hitting the post-reform low in 2005, the average amount of TD paid at 12 months has risen 11.3%. Similarly, the average amount of TD paid at 24 months has increased by 13.4% from a post-reform low. The percentage of temporary disability claims that involve injuries that are exempt from the two-year TD payment cap has remained small. And in other news, workers' compensation giant Liberty Mutual has developed a new predictive model that lets it more quickly identify and manage high-cost workers' compensation claims. These claims typically make up about 20% of all claims. The new predictive model is designed to help Liberty's claims professionals identify claims that have high cost potential. The company should then work to close these claims better and faster. The predictive model will look at claims monthly to discover changes that can negatively impact that claim's development. Liberty Mutual has been using predictive models on workers' compensation claims since 2004. Their latest proprietary model incorporates more data, enables more sophisticated multivariate analysis, and supports better decision-making than its previous versions. According to the company's researchers, broader data incorporating psychosocial factors and comorbid medical conditions can help predict a worker's compensation claim's duration and cost. Also, 
The new model reflects that home environment, personal issues, employer-employee relationships can all affect the outcome of a work injury. Other workers' compensation insurers, organizations, and claims consultants have also been using similar models for several years. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. And please drop by again next week for some more news.